The text and David himself is clearly paralleling another purchase that described in the passage regarding the cave of Machpelah, acquired by Abraham in Hebron. In that story, the owner of the field and of the cave, Ephron the Hittite, offers to gift Abraham the land, and Abraham refuses. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 288, The Altar of David. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. In 1967, during the Six-Day War, Rabbi Shlomo Goren and other Israeli soldiers entered the site of the Marat HaMachpelah, the Cave of the Patriarchs. There he read from the Torah about Abraham acquiring that site following the death of his beloved wife Sarah. It was, he later recalled, the first time that Jews had read the Torah inside the Cave of the Patriarchs in a thousand years. That passage in the Torah reminds us that after Jerusalem, the second most sacred city in the Holy Land, is Hebron, Hebron. There, our patriarchs and matriarchs lie buried, their tomb reflecting the familial roots of the Jewish people in the land itself. And it is a fascinating story in the Bible that joins these two sacred cities, Jerusalem and Hebron, the cave of the patriarchs, and the Temple Mount, together forever. In a story that parallels another at the end of the book of Samuel, Chronicles describes how David orders his general Yoav to count the people of Israel. Yoav rightly resists. Chapter 21, verse 2. And David said to Yoav and to the rulers of the people, Go, number Israel from Beersheba even to Dan, and bring the number of them to me that I may know it. And Yoav answered, The Lord make his people a hundred times so many more as they be. But my lord the king, are they not all my lord's servants? Why then doth my lord require this thing? Why will he be a cause of trespass to Israel? Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Yoav. Wherefore Yoav departed and went throughout all Israel and came to Jerusalem. And Yoav gave the sum of the number of the people unto David, and all they of Israel were a thousand thousand and a hundred thousand men that drew sword. And Judah was four hundred sixty and ten thousand men that drew the sword. But Levi and Benjamin he counted not among them, for the king's word was abominable to Yoav. Why David made this mistake is mysterious. The Bible itself strikingly speaks of David being incited by Satan. For counting Israel directly is forbidden. As we have discussed, according to the Bible, when one wishes to number the people of Israel, one does so through the giving of the half shekel, thereby reflecting the fact that we treat individual Israelites first and foremost as part of a larger whole. Counting Israelites directly fragments the people in biblical eyes. The Almighty, through the prophet God, therefore informs King David that he must choose what punishment will befall the people. Verse 7. And God was displeased with this thing, therefore he smote Israel. And David said unto God, I have sinned greatly, because I have done this thing. But now I beseech thee, do away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. And the Lord spoke unto God, David's seer, saying, Go and tell David, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I offer thee three things. Choose thee one of them, that I may do it unto thee. So God came to David and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Choose thee either three years famine, or three months to be destroyed before thy foes, while that the sword of thine enemies overtake thee, or else three days the sword of the Lord, the pestilence, in the land, and the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the coasts of Israel. Now therefore advise thyself what word I shall bring again to him that sent me. David is faced with a choice, and he chooses the final possibility, three days of plague, replying in words that have become famous to Jewish liturgy. And David said unto God, I am in a great strait, Let us fall now into the hands of the Lord, for very great are his mercies, but let me not fall into the hand of man. 
Thus the plague comes, and when it pauses, David is informed that salvation from the plague would fully come through an altar constructed above what was then the city of David, in what was a field belonging to a man named Aravna, also called Ornan, a Jebusite. So the Lord sent pestilence upon Israel, and there fell of Israel 70,000 men. And God sent an angel unto Jerusalem. And as he was destroying, the Lord beheld, and he repented of the evil, and said to the angel that destroyed, It is enough. Stay now thine hand. And the angel of the Lord stood by the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord stand between the earth and the heaven, having a drawn sword in his hand stretched out over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders of Israel, who were clothed in sackcloth, fell upon their faces. And David said unto God, Is it not that I commanded the people to be numbered? Even I it is that have sinned and done evil indeed, but as for these sheep, what have they done? Let thine hand, I pray thee, O Lord my God, be on me and on my father's house, but not on thy people, that they should be plagued. Then the angel of the Lord commanded God to say to David that David should go up and set up an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And David went up at the saying of God, which he spoke in the name of the Lord, and Ornan turned back and saw the angel, and his four sons with him hid themselves. Now Ornan was threshing wheat. And as David came to Ornan, Ornan looked and saw David, and went out of the threshing floor, and bowed himself to David with his face to the ground. Then David said to Ornan, Grant me the place of this threshing floor, that I may build an altar therein unto the Lord. Thou shalt grant it me for the full price, that the plague may be stayed from the people. And Ornan said unto David, Take it to thee, and let my lord the king do that which is good in his eyes. Lo, I give thee the oxen also for burnt offerings, and the threshing instruments for wood, and the wheat for the meal offering. I give it all. And King David said to Ornan, No, but I will verily buy it for the full price, for I will not take that which is thine for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings without cost. So David gave to Ornan for the place six hundred shekels of gold by weight. Having purchased the site, David is now able to build a Mizbeach, an altar. Verse 26. And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and called upon the Lord, and he answered him from heaven by fire upon the altar of burnt offering. And the Lord commanded the angel, and he put up his sword again into the sheath thereof. At that time, when David saw that the Lord had answered him in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite, then he brought offerings there. The site of this altar, or Mizbeach, is what becomes the site of all offerings in the temple for all time. Again, the sublime symbolism must be reviewed. As we have argued, Jerusalem is chosen by David because it is a shared city, joining Judah and Benjamin's territory, a reminder thereby of Judah's sacrifice for his brother Benjamin, and therefore of Israelite familial and covenantal responsibility. According to the Talmud, it is at the site of the temple altar that the border of Judah and Benjamin can be found. Thus, David's sin was counting Israelites as individuals. The salvation came through the building of an altar at the very epicenter of Israel's familial covenantal union. But note the pains that the Bible takes to tell us of every detail of this transaction in which David bought what became the site of the temple altar. Ornan the Jebusite offers to give the site to David for free, and David insists on paying for it. Here, the text and David himself is clearly paralleling another purchase that described in the passage regarding the cave of Machpelah, acquired by Abraham in Hebron. In that story, the owner of the field and of the cave, Ephron the Hittite, offers to gift Abraham the land, and Abraham refuses. This is Genesis 23, verse 11. Ephron says, Nay, my lord, hear me. The field give I thee, and the cave that is therein I give it to thee. 
in the presence of the sons of my people, give I it to thee, bury thy dead. And Abraham bowed down himself before the people of the land, and he spoke unto Ephron and the audience of the people of the land, saying, But if thou wilt give it, I pray thee, hear me. I will give thee money for the field. Take it of me, and I will bury my dead there. And Ephron answered Abraham, saying unto him, My lord, hearken unto me, four hundred shekels of silver. What is that between me and thee? Bury therefore thy dead. And Abraham hearkened unto Ephron, and Abraham weighed to Ephron the silver which he had named in the audience of the sons of Chet. Four hundred shekels of silver, current money with the merchant. Thus, the details of David's purchase are clearly meant to link the cave of the patriarchs and what will become the Harhabayat, the Temple Mount, clearly indicating that when we think of the origins of the temple described in this passage, we are meant to bear in mind Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Leah. And this is not the only text that teaches us this lesson. In a striking passage, the Mishnah in Tractate Yoma describes how every morning on the Temple Mount, the service would begin with a herald ascending atop the walls to look for the rising sun, gazing out to the Mount of Olives in the east, and pronouncing, upon catching a glimpse of its rays, Barkai, light. And then, because the service can only take place during the day, in order to ensure that it truly was the light of the sun that was being seen, and not merely a pale patch of moonbeam reflected in the cloud, in order to ascertain that morning truly had come, the other assembled priests would demand that the rays of the sun seen span the horizon much further than Jerusalem, and would accordingly acquire of the herald, Heir Ad Shebechevron, does the light of the sun reach all the way to Hebron, meaning is it so light outside that it reaches from Jerusalem to the city where the patriarchs are buried. Ostensibly, this was merely to ensure that no mistake was made as to mourning. But Rabbi Yigal Ariel has seen striking symbolism in this. The ritual of Jerusalem is linked to the patriarchs. The point, perhaps, is that the offerings of Jerusalem in the morning do not go forward until a vision of Hebron is achieved. One must join the sanctity of Jerusalem with a sense of familial bond to the patriarchs and matriarchs that have come before. The cave of the patriarchs is the ultimate embodiment of the Jewish family. Jerusalem is the locus of the Jewish faith. The two are joined in the vision of the herald from atop the Temple Mount, joining Hebron and Jerusalem and highlighting how it is only with a strong sense of the people of Israel's familial past that it can truly pursue its spiritual destiny. This is Mayor Soloveitchik wishing you a Shabbat Shalom. Looking forward to learning together next week. Signing off.